0: Windows Phone podcast. Insight number 73, recording this on Monday the 26th of August 2013. It's Steve Litchfield standing in for Ewan Spence. Ewan's jetting off across the world again. But uh, maybe he'll fill you in more on that in a week or so's time. Um, In the meantime, I have Rafe Blanford with me.
1: Hello, everybody, and a big thank you, for Steve, for filling in. We always get a lot of um, fan mail for Steve when he's on the Windows Phone podcast, despite his uh, Symbian origins. But those of you who listen to the last Symbian podcast will know that Steve is giving serious consideration to making Windows Phone his primary device, if it's not already.
0: Well, in fact, you t- this is interesting, because two weeks ago, I ran a Symbian device as my main device, my main phone, for a week. I then switched to Android 4.3 in the shape of the Galaxy Nexus for a week, solid, I've now been running Windows Phone 8, GDR2, Nokia Amber, etc., on the Lumia 920 for a week, and my SIM card's still in it. So maybe Ooh. that. In the moment. <laughs> I wanted to start there, Ray. Just to, I saw a story posted by you midweek, and um, the Lumia 520, which I've also got here, it's kind of my uh, a backup Windows Phone, and I loaded up with loads of games for the relatives, small kids and relatives. It's cracking, Ray. Fifty nine pounds now on pay as you go in the UK. I mean, a UN wrote an editorial. I think it was this morning, actually pointing out that uh, things like Nokia's Asha phones and the, the Series forty and the smartphone phones and they're, they're fully featured um, feature phones, if you like. They're actually being encroached on now by Windows Phone, not just by the you know the Android competition. And, and really, you could argue that with the 520 available that cheaply, there's almost a need for half of Nokia's feature phones just to be completely axed because Windows Phone does the job a heck of a lot better.
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting one, this. I mean, it, to be fair, it is the 520 on a particularly good deal. And this uh, you have to kind of read the small print. Yes, it is £60, but that's if you're upgrading from an existing Pairs You Go phone, which generally means you need to have about six months' you know of using it with regular kind of top-ups but actually that's going to apply to a lot of consumers so you know power users looking to get a good deal on a kind of a backup phone as you just described not for them but i'm sure there's a lot of people out there going i quite fancy trying out this smartphone stuff or windows phone i've seen adverts about it maybe for the high-end stuff oh look i can get one for 60 quid And, and i've said lots of times i think windows phone at this low cost is Better value than Android when you're looking at the features and the overall experience. You can still get Android devices cheaper, we should say that. I mean, they're at the 50 quid mark and even below in some cases, especially if you're doing these pairs you go upgrade offers. But you can in the UK now get one for 80 pounds on pairs you go, and that's available for pretty much everyone. You will have to do a top up as well, so it may take that up to 90 quid or so. But that's similar to the deal you got in the US on T with their Go phone really quite incredible value for uh, a windows phone device and i I think you're right steve you know this is the problem that feature phones face that smartphones have come down and down and down in cost and it's not just android it's windows phone doing it now and the the perfect kind of counterpoint you know to talk about is the nokia 501 i guess only 19 uh, numbers different to the 520 (laughs) that's that's available for about 100 pounds That's, you know, a big ask to go from one to the other. Now, I think in some circumstances, the 501 might suit people better if they don't want the smartphone. It does have a really nice UI experience. But I know you tried it out, Stephen, you found it a bit frustrating as a smartphone user, didn't you?
0: The 501 is a, an abomination of a phone. <laughs> I, I, I see these ridiculous marketing um, blog entries on Nokia Conversations talking up the 501. I think, are you absolutely crazy? I know they're paid to write that sort of material. And I usually love the Nokia Conversations articles, but the Nokia 501 is appalling. A, a fixed focus, three megapixel camera, a quarter VGA screen, that doesn't work outdoors, in 2013 for a £100 when you can get the 520 even the 620 for a while was on pay as you go and under 100 pounds in the uk and that 620 is ten thousand times the phone the 501 is so uh yeah the nokia's asher phones are in real real trouble i think even even the, the developing market surely if they can get the windows phones over there they'll absolutely slaughter the the feature phones
1: yeah uh, the only you know caveat i'd add to this is you is it's tempting to look at it too much from a power user point of view and if you're just using the phone for kind of calling and basic phone stuff maybe with web as a bit extra then sometimes a smartphone isn't the the right experience but it's obvious which way things are going uh, and there's still some things to sort out you know nokia express browser interestingly starting to be pre-installed on some of the low-end devices which i think is kind of notable and that's sort of all about uh, you know cost effectiveness in some of these emerging markets but i think you know this is also part of a wider story People may recall that kind of earlier in the year, uh, Nokia essentially silently cancelled Meltemi, which was going to be its new feature phone uh, operating system based on Linux. And a lot of people at the time were quite upset about that because they saw a lot of potential in it. And it was kind of a holdover from the the Migo strategy, Nokia's whole next-generation platform strategy being based around Linux. But you look at it now, and it starts to look like a more sensible decision. And you can see exactly why Nokia did it, because... The space that those devices were going to sit in, i.e., the hundred-pound feature phone, is basically disappearing because it's, you know, it's being subsumed by smartphones. Now there is an assumption that can you make a smartphone platform stretch from the kind of the 50-pound device right up to the 500-pound device? I've said in the past I think Nokia had real trouble doing that with Symbian, but I think one of the most remarkable things about Windows Phone is the way you get a very similar software experience. On something like the lumia 520 as you do on the lumia 1020 right at the top of the range uh, in, in some ways it can almost devalue the experience of the high-end devices that don't feel quite as good value but i think you have to remember it's then about the actual the quality of the components that go into it and the, the quality of the output you get so you know the camera being an obvious example but also the screen i mean on the 520 steve I would imagine the screen's okay, but you'd far rather be using something with a clear black display and you know, those little extras that you get on the higher quality displays.
0: Uh, absolutely. Uh, and just as a, to back that up, we can perhaps segue into the next piece. We want, I wanted to talk about things like Nokia Amber, which has now arrived for my Lumi 20 because it's got that higher quality display and as a result enables certain things that I'm finding absolutely invaluable. So if I can go there next, um, double tap to wake, and the glance screen. I mean, they, they sound like little, okay. These are little niceties it would be nice to have, but they're not showstoppers. But in actual fact, once you've got used to never having to use the you know the unlock button on your phone, just being able to double tap the screen and up it comes. Once you've got used to having the time and you know charging indicators and uh, a new email indicators there on the screen all the time, twenty four seven, without having to touch it, without having to power it in any way. They are absolutely invaluable, and they bring me right back to some of the things I loved best about Miga, I loved the best about Symbian, and now they're on Windows Phone, on the higher quality display, I noticed that the Glance Wraith and the Double Tapped wake are both absent on things like the 625, which
1: you reviewed today on the site. That's right, and it's also missing from the 520 and from the 620. It looks like it's also going to be missing from the 720. We're still waiting for some confirmation on that because we haven't actually got AMBER running on any of those low-end devices with the 65 accepted, and so that's a good example of how... It's a different component being used, lower quality. It's not an artificial division. There is actually a hardware reason, you know, that it's not got that. Um, And I always say, you know, people talk a lot about screen resolution. To my mind, screen quality is a much bigger factor And particularly on the low end device, I think the 525, 520, sorry, and the 625 in particular, the absence of clear black and sort of some quality issues, they're not bad displays, but you're you know, you get what you pay for. Um I think you have to pay, you know, quite a bit more, more than perhaps the difference warrants in some people's view when you go up to things like the 720 or the 920 or, or whatever device. Uh but it's it is an important factor that and so you know, although I think that kind of software consistency of experience is a really good thing for windows phone uh, I, I, at the same time i don't think people should ever criticize the high-end devices for you know not having enough extra actually it's the really good thing and it's why the low-end devices are doing well i think why they're selling well in numbers but yeah let, let's talk a little bit about amber we talked about this on a, our previous podcast steve we said that the lumia 920 which had an lcd screen wouldn't be able to do the glass <laughs> screen so uh, what's going on
0: well, I was wrong. <laughs> in actual fact, I was right in the sense that you cannot have uh, an, a typical uh, always-on clock just you know glowing up the pixels that need to be glowed with an LCD screen because the backlight has to be on. However, what I wasn't counting on was that rather than having the backlight of a typical uh, Nokia Lumia 920 screen running at, say, 100%, 80%, 60 40 20 in those gradations, I would have guessed, based around you know, the back typical backlight slider and a display, Brightness slider in the settings. In actual fact, it seems to be able to go down much, much lower. Some somewhere around about one or two percent, which is astonishing, really. So you think, well, okay, they're running the backlight, the backlight at about one or two percent. It's just enough to light up some pure white, um, as in RGB pixels, showing the time and a few status indicators. And although you can't see them outdoors in sunlight, in indoors and certainly at night time, when they get glow a nice red if you <laughs> turn that on in the settings you can get an always-on clock that works surprisingly well on an LCD screen and it doesn't have significant battery impact. I used to reckon with the, my Symbian devices, and then again on the things like the AMOLED screen 925, um, that you around about 1% or 2% per day battery charge might be used up for having this always-on clock. And do you know, after a week of using it on the Lumi 920, I would say it's about the same. So wow. kudos to Nokia's engineers for building that, facility to control the backlight that finally into the 920 and um, for a s- software to make use of it in a way that it's really really useful
1: yeah and the other thing i like and when we first talked about glance it didn't have this option uh it's actually called peak and it's something you can set within the the settings app module and um, in peak mode it'll actually turn off the clock but if you wave your hand over the front of the phone it's actually done with the proximity sensor the always on clock isn't always on but it will switch on and I thought that was a nice extra for people who are concerned about the battery, but still want to have the utility of being able to see the time without having to, you know, touch the device or do the lock screen or the double tap to wait. The one thing I will say about the screen is we talked actually about this on the Symbian podcast and Symbian is still a lot more flexible in terms of what you can put on the lock screen. I find it slightly distressing that all I can have is a time. I think there's a charging indicator. And then you can have an indication of whether there's your phone's on silent or not. Is that something you've missed, Steve? I mean, if there was a couple of things you wanted to put on this uh, glance screen, what would they be?
0: Well, the obvious one is is the number of waiting emails, and I, you know, I could have sworn I saw a number pop up the day. <laughs> Maybe I was imagining it in my in my dream. Could surely thinking. that's something. Surely it's something that Nokia can add very, very simply in, in a future display and touch update, just to add a, something as simple as that. Just one extra
1: icon or one extra number. Uh, I'd agree. I'd actually like to see them look at the kind of the standby notifications that are on the lock screen, which are customizable on Windows Phone, and have those appear if possible. But yes, as a minimum. I think new messages or, or missed calls would be a nice thing to include there. But it's interesting. I was going to ask you what your favourite thing in the AMBER update was, and I think a uh, glance screen is, is is certainly one of them. I'll maybe I'll ask you a question, but it's interesting to <laughs> me uh, that such a relatively small feature has actually made a difference to way I use the phone because it's sitting on the desk right now in front of me showing the time and it's just, it just sometimes goes to show that these small experiences, which are basically nothing on the spec sheet and probably not that significant in terms of the you know software development time it took, maybe a little longer in the case of the nine twenty in that hardware customization or you know some extra effort um but it just sometimes as me look at the updates, and actually that one thing has sort of changed the way I look at my phone more than more than anything else within the update. But is there any other thing you sort of picked up in the AMBER update that you particularly like, Steve? Uh,
0: yes, without wishing to go into the entire list we went over last time, and also your feature, just a few highlights for me, ha- now having used Nokia AMBER for a, a couple of weeks. Um, the camera quality, I did a feature, and I'm sure you can link in the show notes, looking at the, the difference in the imaging processing algorithms um, pre and post AMBER. And it absolutely transformed the image quality on this 920. I'm now able to take good photos in in most light conditions. Obviously, there's no and flash, but that apart side. I'm really very, very happy. The optical image stabilization still helps. The image processing is now more or less perfect. I love the fact that they've included Nokia Pro cameras as an option, so you can download that from the Nokia collection in the store, which means that having reviewed the Luma, 9, uh, Luma 1020 and having to send it back after the review period, I can now get basically the same experience or most of the same experience on the 920. And if nothing else, Ray, stop myself from going rusty on those Nokia Pro camera skills with all the interface tweaks. <laughs> And the reframing, although, of course, on the 920, because it is basically just an 8-megapixel sensor, the smart reframing works, but all you're really doing is cropping into that 8-megapixel. There's no actual you know, interpolating or oversampling going on.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Nokia Pro camera is a, a great thing to have. And there's a couple of companion apps that go along with that video trimmer and video upload, which frankly should have been on Windows phone a long, long time ago. But it does mean you can actually take edit, uh, t- take video that you shot on the phone, trim it to the right length and then upload it to YouTube. Quite why it's taking that long. Uh, I'm not sure, but at least it's now here and it's pretty uh, generally available on all the devices as well. Um, some of them will, or for some bits of it, you will need the GG2R update and Pro Camera is only available for the 920, 925, 928 and 1020. I kind of wish that they'd, uh, do something about the camera app on some of the other apps because uh, having started to use Pro Camera, I do miss it when I'm on something else, really probably about the basic Windows phone camera app being. I think it, the polite way to put it is very minimalist, which is probably a good thing, all things considered, because overcomplicated, it, you know, is not the way Windows Phone does things. But I'd maybe like to have the option, especially now that in uh, GDR2 you can actually set your default camera app, and you know that makes Pro Camera itself much more usable as a replacement camera app. But same would apply elsewhere. The one other thing I would pick out from the update is FM radio. Uh, again, this is something that's returned to Windows Phone 8, having been in windows phone 7 so it's not really a new feature but i was glad to get this back on the on the devices i'm looking forward to using it on most of them although uh, as we mentioned in update there are some devices like the 620 and i think it's the 928 which don't have fm radio because they don't have the necessary connection from the fm chipset up to the 3.5 millimeter audio jack which acts as the aerial but all in all i think this update actually has surprised me by sort of Becoming more significant over time and having more bits in it than I really initially expected. When Microsoft first talked about it, it seemed rather small and just about fixing a few Google things. But uh, thanks to Nokia actually putting a lot of effort in there, there's uh, some really nice extras in here that just add that extra little bit of polish that makes a difference.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you just mentioned there the, the Google services, just the very fact that you've got CardDav and CalDav baked in from, you know, date day one with this update in my, my 920 I, I actually upgraded by a method which involved wiping it which means that when i set up my google account then it was set up the this new mechanism and it's worked absolutely seamlessly and i'm using my google services google calendar google contacts exactly but well, almost exactly as i would if i was using my, my android handset so kudos to all ra- things all around there um you said microsoft in um, basically declared this to be a fairly small update like you know, i'm I said it was quite a big deal from day one. And I still maintain it's a big deal. It's the biggest update for me for Windows Phone 8 for many, many months. The the I mentioned in the previous podcast, so I was looking forward to, for example, podcast gathering programs now working properly. And indeed, Podcast Lounge has been working absolutely faultlessly. And basically, you can you listen to a podcast and switch away into other applications. 16 hours later, a day later, you pop back, you tap on the Podcast Lounge um, icon, and it says, while you're away, we downloaded the following seven episodes. And in the background, successfully despite windows phone 8's lack of true multitasking it's had enough power in the background thanks to gdr2 it's been able to gather these podcasts and secure them all up for listening so every single turn windows phone 8 gdr2 and the nokia amber really have done it for me
1: well, there you go. So, Steve's much happy now with GDR two, and you're you're right. That that was one of the API fixes. I mean, it's not true uh, multitasking in the in the kind of the traditional sense, but of course there is multitasking going on all the time. That's actually a background agent which will download things overnight over Wi Fi if your device is plugged in. But uh, I, you know, I've been using Podcast Lounge for a little while on the Lumia nine two five now, and there is something quite magic about having the episodes just appear without you ever even having to go into the app to start up start off a download and there are some very good other podcast clients pcast is another one that's just become available but all of those actually require you to kick off a uh, a download session even if it will then do it all in the background but there was something rather good about these unattended downloads so yes uh, i think thumbs up all around on gr2 we're going to keep on reporting on it as it becomes available on the other devices and i'm sure we'll talk about that on the podcast in future weeks as well Yeah, just to know that you don't actually have to be plugged in on Podcast Lounge, for
0: example. There is an option of settings you can uncheck that, and it will just auto-gather in the background, even if you're just on battery power. But You obviously have to enable it, just so you don't do lots of big downloads and uh, um, discharge your battery unduly. I'm just talking about the rollout of Nokia Amber and GDR2. I mean, we've seen GDR2 actually appearing um, sooner on the HTC and Samsung handsets which is kind of ironic given how much nokia is driving the whole scene but uh, maybe nokia have got more bits to test and more bits to roll in um my, my 920 was upgraded by a slightly circuitous route I, I gather a lot of people now with 820s and 920s are getting it officially over the airway
1: uh, that's right nokia actually have a page where you can go and see whether the update is available or it will say coming soon which means it's completed the testing and they're just going through some final checks Or it's awaiting approval, and that means they're waiting for the testing to be completed. That's generally by the operators. Nokia will also do uh, some themselves. In a post on their official blog, Nokia Conversations, they said that the majority of devices should have received the update by the end of September I just had a quick look at the page and I noticed uh, some Lumia 620 devices are now starting to get it. The priority was kind of to do the higher end devices first. So I suspect the things like the 720, 620 and 520 are going to be getting it over the next, you know, two or three weeks. Uh, But as I say, we'll keep some updates on the site to, to report that. But hopefully everyone should have it within the next four or five weeks. Lovely. So look out
0: for that. Uh, just moving on slightly, you have a new toy to play with. Um, we, you've got the review up on the site today as we as we record this podcast, the Nokia Lumia 625, which uh, I, I guess you could summarise as being a, a the, the guts of the 520 with a bit of the 620 thrown in, and yet with a giant screen and an LTE race. Yes,
1: I think that's a, the great way to describe it from a technical point of view. Uh, you know, I was doing the usual spec comparison and going through it, and noticed, yes, most of it is like the 520. There are a few exceptions to that for example it does have a front-facing camera and it does have an led flash but in terms of the kind of the missing components that you always talk about with these low-cost devices you know there's no nfc no compass uh, no gyroscope sensor um it, it's more like the 520 and actually i feel the screen in terms of its actual quality something we touched on earlier in the podcast yeah. is more like the 520 but yeah, the standout feature of the 625 is this kind of huge 4.7-inch screen. I guess it's not quite the biggest on a Windows Phone device. That actually goes back to the HTC Titan 2, which was a Windows Phone 7 device. But and the it, Samsung Ativest, don't yeah. that's, forget. That's right. And the Samsung Ativest, which I managed to completely forget about. But fortunately, yeah, Steve picked it up during <laughs> the editing process. So thank you, Steve, for that. Um honestly that big screen maybe we'll address the software in a minute but that's a standout feature especially on a low-cost device i mean that's what you have to keep reminding yourself about the 625 as someone who uses you know the full range of devices the high-end stuff and the low-end stuff it's always hard to kind of take a step back and go well how would i assess this if i just bought this myself and this 625 for example is going to go on sale in the uk in the next few days and it'll be available for 170 pounds on you know pay you go uh, sim free, it's going to be a little bit more than that, but it's certainly going to be half the price of the higher end devices. And so you have to take that into account. And then when you realize that you're also getting LTE connectivity, I've got kind of mixed feelings about this great faster 4G speeds, you know, downloads faster. Um, that's great. I just wonder whether it's maybe just a bit too early, and this is with reference mainly to the UK market where 4G is just the launch is getting underway now. We've had one of the operators uh, offering it for just under a year now that uh, Vodafone O2 and others are are kind of doing their launches now or by the end of the year. Um, Is there a demand for a low-cost LTE handset? Particularly in the UK, we actually have to pay on all but one of the operators a premium for having lte connectivity of five pounds a month and i'm not sure how well that fits in with budget users so that remains to be seen but i can't get too obsessed by one market Uh, i think at the end of the day you're going lte in a sub 200 pound device that's pretty attractive and then you add in the big screen i think particularly in some markets will be the big screen that leads it in other markets it'll be uh, about lte so you know I, i I started off by not liking the 625 very much you know it was too big i mean i'm not a fan of really big screen devices and i thought the quality of the screen just wasn't quite there but the more i sort of used it and as i was kind of preparing to write the review and writing notes about it i became more impressed by it because i looked at them and thought actually this is a a low-cost handset that's going to be just like the 520 and the 620 it's going to sell well yet it's actually markedly different from them you know the Six twenty, I think, stood out for its small screen. I I think you'd probably agree, wouldn't you, Steve, that it was—it's the best overall value Windows Phone device.
0: Well, yes, probably. Although I would just hold that a candle again for my nine twenty, which apparently you can (laughs) now get on on places like Amazon and and other resellers for well under three hundred pounds. So nine twenty, which is an absolute flagship in many ways, still at that price, I would get, get that over the half the money this the 620 but certainly the 620 especially if you shop around and if you see it on pay as you go at 99 or 120 pounds in the uk it's just astonishing value yes
1: yeah and that's that's true you have to always account for kind of not necessarily second-hand prices but you know the cost dropping as it go through its life cycle you know, the same is true of the 620. There's been special offers where it's been about a £100. Actually, now it's a sort of the £150 mark if you try and buy it. Same applies to the 520. But kind of my point was, I'm looking at this and going, OK, it's £170 now. If that was £150, which I think it'll probably drop to by Christmas yeah. time in the UK market, that then starts to look really interesting because it's a little bit of a premium over the 520. It's about the same as the 620. But you're getting something that that's quite different. I mean, I think if you want the kind of Get the most out of all round hardware. The 620 is still the better choice. But the screen is one of those things that I think really makes people buy a device. And big screens seem to be you know, very much on trend, you know, really popular at the moment. We've seen the success of kind of the bigger screen devices from. Uh, Samsung and a lot of the other Asian manufacturers uh, and also kind of the rise of tablets as a trend and so I think Nokia's been quite smart by creating a low-cost device in, in this segment I think it's going to be the first many I mean it's kind of a hint of things to come I there's plenty of rumors floating around now about Nokia working on a five-inch tablet. device I, I think that's kind of inevitable and the 625 is kind of the first wave of that and rather sensibly it's at the low cost end where Nokia's enjoyed most success so far this year with devices like the 520 and the 620.
0: Yeah, and of course in the high street shops, I mean, a, assuming that the 625 comes down to, say, £150 on pay as you go or sort of um, £15 a month, 10 £12 a month on contract, that's very, very well against the, the Android competition. Most Android phones in the budget realms tend to be sort of 3.5, 4-inch, maybe 4.3-inch screens. So to have a, a phone with an, a larger and, as typical with Windows Phone 8, very colourful <laughs> demo screens at that price point, I think it will actually sit out very well on the shop shelves
1: that's right and it's got these colored shells it's kind of a little bit like the 620 but they're the double the dual shop uh shells as they're called but i think it's a slightly lower cost version i mean it comes in orange and bright green which are uh, quite frankly quite violent colors um, but there's also a black and a white option if you want something a bit more conservative but you can swap them around so it's nice to see that. Of course, you don't get anything like wireless charging or anything on a low-cost device. But you're right, it's got enough to stand out from the crowd. And I actually think the 4.7 inches is quite a sweet spot for that uh, screen size. If we're going to talk about negatives, which we should do, it has to bear in mind that it's a wide VGA um, resolution device, i.e. 480 by 800. Now, there are actually quite a few other devices out there doing that. So looking at the market it actually appears that people don't seem to mind that too much and i always think the resolution thing gets overblown and it's about pixels per inch and this is just above 200 pixels per inch Um, a lot of people go oh it has to be 300 retina but i think that's looking at it from a a power use point of view again you have to think about the price and there's nothing about windows phone that absolutely requires 300 dpi in fact i think in some ways windows phone is far more forgiving partly because of the way it renders text on screen and partly because the on-screen components are are bigger what i will say is that once you get up to that 4.7 inch size it does feel like some bits of the ui are getting oversized most notably on the double wide live tile size this was a problem i think also with the 8 of s you know another device and you you sort of look at the small size tiles and think mm, they could be a little bit smaller. And so if Windows Phone is to get any bigger in screen terms, I think some rethinking of the ratio or the scaling of the UI is going to be needed. And again, anyone who's familiar with the Windows Phone world will know there's rumors around that with uh, GDR3 and maybe a extra kind of column being added to the start screen with that particular update. I don't think it will necessarily apply to the the 625 4.7 inches it's right on the boundary i think five inches that's the point at which you definitely need some scaling changes and that's what i'd expect to see and actually i think that will be the next set of nokia device announcements we'll see something in that area um but i was actually pleasantly surprised how well it worked with the 4.7 inch screen. i expected to be a bit of a skeptic about it but it worked really well and interestingly i was showing it to a few friends and said i really like having it big on the screen i can see it i don't have to sort of uh screw up my eyes to look at it don't have to put my glasses on and and comments like that so i thought "Mm, maybe maybe i'm missing out on something because i've always been kind of a a fan of the smaller size screens as on the 623.7 inches you know makes for a very pocketable device the 625 i think generously you couldn't really describe it as pocketable but it is thin so it's you know it's not too bulky but it, it does feel like a bit of stuff in your pocket but i appreciate you know it's personal preference and that's where it really stands out for me in that it's a low-cost device and sort of another one from nokia but it is distinct from the other ones that are already available and that's a really good thing in my opinion
0: yeah yeah of course you don't have to use double wide live tiles you can can instantly resize the bigger ones and have everything at standard size or on the quarter size and i think that might work very well on the 65 but uh, how many how many double wide should they supply out of the box right
1: uh, out of the box, you, it, it's the usual ones that you get just looking here. You've got the calendar and the photos both set at double wide. And you're right. Actually, the small tile size, you know, that you can fit four across the screen actually work really well on this device. Whereas on something like the 620, they feel a bit on the small side. And so it, it's good that you've got the flexibility. If this was just a, a bog standard, windows phone 7.8 device without those smaller tile sizes i'd be a lot more skeptical about it because you'd fit less on the screen because i mean the interesting thing here of course because there is no scaling going on you've got exactly the same amount of information on the screen as you would on a 620 or indeed any other windows phone device Um, well actually there's a (laughs) slight exception for the 720p resolutions but that's a a very marginal difference um and so yeah it, it You're right. It's interesting looking at it as I've used it more. I've sort of come to appreciate having the the bigger screen and then swapping back to something else. You suddenly go, "Mm, this feels (laughs) a little bit on the small side. For me personally, the 4.5 inches that you get on the the 925, it's also the 1020 and the 920 is still probably the sweet spot. Uh, But it's kind of whetted my my appetite for seeing some higher resolutions or not so much higher resolutions as a change in the the scale factor when you have a, a big screen. And so, <laughs> maybe I've been less cynical about it. I've I've been converted in that sense by the 625. I, I don't think it's a device for power users. I mean, I think if you're looking to get a backup device, the 520 is probably you know a more sensible choice, or maybe the 620. Uh, but for a lot of people coming to Windows Phone for the first time, you know, seeing it in the shop, you know, the big screen, the bright colours, and the good value for money. I actually think it's quite a compelling proposition. It'll be really interesting to see how it does. I, I don't think it will sell in the same way that the 520 does because it is that little bit more expensive. Um, but it's going to be really attractive to operators looking to push 4G, for example, you know that LT connectivity. So they might be willing to give it a bit more of a, a pay-to-go subsidy than otherwise, might be prepared to promote it a little bit more. So it, it may end up surprising people by selling more than expected and i think the uk is going to be a really good test market for that especially given all the uh, 4g launching that's going on uh, right now
0: of course um one big reason why the 520 took off apart from the price was the fact that for that price, you can get something that, for example, plays games very well. And a lot of pe- young people, for example, teenagers, are getting the 520. And of course, the number one thing they go and grab is some of the really good Windows Phone games. Now, um, it, is RAM a factor here, Ray? How much RAM does the 65 come with? And, and what would you say about the compatibility of Windows Phone games?
1: It, it's got the 512 megabytes of RAM, so it's a lower specification uh, device. We did a, a recent feature on that, and so it's actually a, a very small proportion of apps and games that won't work on those devices. Actually, there's updates coming all the time. Uh, that kind of Some games that previously weren't compatible are now compatible. But it is the games that are, are worse affected, and it's come some of the high-profile Xbox Live titles, a, a good example is Microsoft's Halo title, uh, Spartan Assault, Now, that is actually expected to be converted down to a 512 megabyte compatibility in due course. But I have noticed a few of the high profile games from the likes of Gameloft, for example, and also EA coming in as not working on the 512 megabyte devices. The vast majority of indie games, the developers are making the effort to make sure it works. And I think it tends to be the games that are reliant on uh, some kind of engine that's been ported across from other platforms and aren't terribly efficiently run on Windows Phone where the extra RAM is required. A good sign of this is looking at Unity, which is one of the gaming engines we've talked about before. Previously, yeah. none of those games actually worked on the 512 megabyte devices, but Unity through its beta period kind of made things more efficient. And now there's been a couple of updates to existing unity powered games that now work on the 512 megabyte devices and a lot of the updates or the new apps that are unity powered also work on these devices so something of a mixed picture but actually uh, not that bad and it's much better than the situation on android where you tend to go onto the lower cost devices and you do get this drop down in specifications as anywhere else and a lot of the time the high profile games won't work or they lag or they stutter in some ways and it goes back to what i've said before the kind of the the software experience is very similar between the high end and the low end now games is one of the areas where you might notice it and there are some xbox titles particularly the older ones that were kind of written in the days before this became an issue that don't work um but i wouldn't have said it's all that serious um and when you're measuring it against the value thing that's kind of something you can't not acceptable but understandable i guess but you're right i think the important comparison is not to look at it in the context of other Windows Phone devices, although that's interesting. It's to look at it against competing devices. And you're talking yeah. about screen size earlier. I I think also you look at um, what it can do more generally and how easy it is to use and the overall performance. Kind of that can be speed, but it can just be you know, the the way things operate. And it actually is very competitive against the low end Android devices. In fact, I would say it's more competitive against the low-end Android devices than the devices at the high end are. And that's really a reflection of the fact that Windows Phone seems to run more efficiently on these lower-end devices and has this similar software experience between the low end and the high end. So I would put the 625 up against any similarly spec Android device and say, that's a better device. And um, actually finding an Android device at that kind of cost with those kind of specs is, is possible, but there aren't loads of them around. Um, there are lower cost ones uh, but they tend to have cuts elsewhere or well, as you say they don't have the big screen uh, the Galaxy Win is one of these devices that's actually a little bit more expensive at the moment it was announced earlier in the year and has very very similar specs so actually those are the devices it has to compete against and uh, it might be interesting for us to actually do some direct comparisons with some of those Android devices so that, that, that's why I think the uh, Lumia 625 looks particularly good yeah,
0: yeah. I can, as I say, just to, to conclude, I can see, again, teenagers getting this, for example. Um, they, they get the 625, they'll pick it up for, say, £150 on pay-as-you-go in a month's time, and they'll crank the screen up to maximum brightness. They'll set the display theme to white, and the screen will then look pretty darn good, apart from maybe in sunlight. So it's certainly indoors, it'll look great. And they'll load up these, whatever it is, 98, 99% of Windows phone games, and including many of the racing titles and arcade titles they want. And they'll be absolutely blown away. For that price, to have a 4.7-inch screen phone that runs games at that speed, I think they'll be blown away. So, yeah. Yeah. And of this space, I think the 65 will do rather well.
1: Yeah, we'll get Steve. um, He's going to have a look at the handset notes, and we'll get him to come back and see whether he agrees with having spent the rest of... uh, Next week, playing games and generally behaving like a teenager. Um, I'll get you to report back, Steve. If only
0: I had the eyesight of a teenager. I can't believe you got through that whole section on the display without referring to my eyesight once. (laughs) Um, You mentioned live tiles there and double-wide and single-wide and so forth. I did do a little featurette, a mini-tutorial during the week on live tiles. I I hoped you'd uh, spotted this right. Basically, I'm coming from Android for a week on Android. I was kind of missing Google now. I thought, well, why do I like Google now? Well, I like it because it tells me what's coming up in my life. I like it because it's it gives me an instant feedback on what the weather's doing now, what it's going to do tomorrow. It gives me an instant way of, if I'm away from home, tap, tap here to get to your home through voice-guided sat-nav. You know, it instantly it'll take, you know, 55 minutes, blah, blah, blah. And you can get most of that um, on Windows Phone now if you're just judicious choice of pinning up the appropriate things to your start screen now it doesn't actually say okay it's 55 minutes back at home by this route on the live tile but one tap on the appropriate live tile and it will take you to um, start navigation within uh, here drive plus for example the my commute system which i kind of tried out but because i work from home it was rather tricky <laughs> um, does seem to work quite well and if you have a regular commute to work setup it will actually tell you on the live tile you know how how good or bad that's going to be. So, with these four live tiles, and see the the link in the show notes for the article. I reckon I get somewhere around about eighty to ninety percent to the basics of Google Now, but on Windows Phone without having to jump platform, and yet with the other benefits of Windows Phone and live tiles too.
1: Now, I, I had a look at this, and I mean, I also like Google Now. I'm not sure it's quite as elegant, and I think it's maybe reaching a little bit. But it's interesting to note that with live tiles, you're achieving. Essentially, the same kind of common tasks, and I wonder, if, you know, getting eighty percent of the way there is is not, you know, what most people want. Plus, the fact it's actually fully integrated into kind of the existing start screen experience. And I know for one, I mean, I use the you know navigate to home feature of Here Drive, you know, quite frequently. Yeah. And then you know there are various weather apps available that do all of that. And you're right; you can actually get most of what's good about Google now, particularly if you're outside the us and i think it's probably (laughs) worth making uh some kind of caveat here in that google now in the us is a lot more capable there's more cards available um but it's actually one of the things that kind of irritates me when i'm reading about a review of a a, a handset you kind of do have to consider the global scope of something and is it widely available outside a a given market of course the us is a big market of course it's important Um, but there are people outside the rest of the world also using it, and you know China's obviously now the big smartphone market, but Western Europe on its own is pretty significant. And the thing that you actually talk about here is available on pretty much every market, assuming you've got um hear drive. So uh, there are <laughs> some exceptions that Japan being a noticeable one, I think it's up to about 70 or so countries that have navigable Here drive. Uh, and that's a much bigger reach than anything that uh, Google now now does. So just a, a, a slight caveat into that but yes i i mean i think i've said before i really like live tiles and the way it can sort of bring a, a start screen alive and a lot of the time you know you can live completely on that start screen and not go into the app launcher and things like that and it's about being aware of what it can do and then customizing it for your use and although steve's termed this uh google mail i'd almost term this kind of the uh the, the personal shortcuts the kind of stuff that you need to set up and get familiar with using um my my commute is fantastic if you are doing a daily commute it's very smart about the way it can look at traffic and advise you when to leave and how long it's going to take i'd like to see some of that predictive stuff come up into here drive more generally and so it could be on your home tile and you know every hour or so or half hour it could update and say it's going to take you x number of minutes to to get home or indeed for any other uh, destination But I suspect Nokia is probably already working hard on that. So maybe a little bit of a reach to put Google Now on Windows Phone via Live Tiles. But it does make an important point that think about how you use Live Tiles. And it it applies to any smartphone. Um, Google Now, actually, on the Android devices, in order to get the most use out of it, it makes sense to make it your default home screen. And I know looking at a lot of Android devices, people don't do that because they like their widgets and everything else. Um, and it wasn't until I, I made it my default home screen on the HTC One device that I use that I actually started really appreciating what it could do for me. Um, and I think the same applies to live tiles on Windows, and you need to customise them to get the most out of it.
0: Yeah, and but as I said in the tutorial, um, when, for example, I'm pinning particular here drive destinations to the home screen... Whatever applications you're most fond of in Windows Phone, look in the menus, look in the look in the various uh, panes for a pin to start option. Because there's a surprising number of items and a surprising number of applications that can be pinned to give you instant access deep down inside an application. And drivers is an excellent example, but there are many others. So maybe that's the scope yeah. there.
1: So have you have you got any other pinned on your start screen? I, Steve is actually. Um, on the All About Windows team team is well known for pruning his start screen rather brutally and keeping it as small as possible. So I wonder if you've got other, any other deep links on your home screen other than these uh, Google Mail setup ones and, or indeed if they've survived your weekly cull of lifestyles. Well, obviously,
0: I'm still experimenting and setting up. I, I, Despite being on the All About Windows team for about two years, I've been playing with other platforms so much. I still kind of consider myself a Windows Phone virgin in, in many ways and certainly Windows Phone 8, GDR2, which is kind of a whole fresh start um, the one thing I things I guess, I pin most often are our websites. So, for example, uh, Google um, Google Plus, that's my, my... And also the mobile YouTube site, now that we haven't got a proper YouTube <laughs> client from Microsoft. So those, those are the two, I guess, most prominent deep links to links actually within Internet Explorer.
1: Uh, well, I've got a couple of deep links into uh, Nokia Music into particular playlists and also into a couple of news applications and weather applications. And like you, I also have a couple of... Uh, websites uh which are effectively deep deep links it's sort a technical part of this. these are all secondary tiles rather than the primary tile that you get when you pin the app to the start screen and like steve i'd encourage people to explore and keep an eye on them because they can you know change the way you use the phone and it's you know possible for example for an ebook you can have your current ebook pinned to the start screen so rather than having a couple of taps to go into the app and then open up the ebook in question you can open it up directly and it sounds like a little thing but those little shortcuts of convenience are really what make the difference in, in day-to-day use and of course i have all the standard stuff so application shortcuts and calls and the people hub and all of that but in some ways the ones i appreciate most are those uh, secondary live tiles so something to uh, maybe look at and customize your start screen if you have any good tips or tricks please pass them back to us on email and we'll share them with everybody else on the podcast yeah, uh, just to mention a couple of
0: other deep links, which I guess are rather obvious, but deep links to the appropriate contact records for my wife and daughter, which again, kind of, I to probably used three or four times every single day. And you wouldn't necessarily consider them deep links. They're just obvious because most platforms do that. But they're certainly there on my on my home screen. Um, Rafe, we're kind of <laughs> overlong. We haven't got to any news whatsoever. But I guess people can just go to the flow section on the website and the news section and have a read for themselves.
1: Yes, they, they certainly should, because it's actually been two weeks badass since recording the last podcast, there's been quite a few bits and pieces. Um, we've had Steve Ballmer announce that he's stepping down as Microsoft CEO. Uh, that's some big news there, but until we actually hear about the replacement, it's very difficult to say what kind of impact that's uh, going to have. Then we've had uh, Nokia talking about their new uh, data collection cars for maps and things like that. We've had the MHL spec being uh, going up to version 3.0. That's something that might get into future Windows phone devices and would allow you to connect your uh, phone to a TV, a USB cable into HDMI connection. So some interesting bits and pieces there. But yes, go and have a look through Flow. We've also talked about a whole bunch of apps in the last couple of weeks. There's been, uh, I guess, some pretty uh, high profile updates. Ewan's talked about the Formula One timing app. There's been a EuroTaxi. There's been a new Instagram client in the form of the uh, Tag. Uh, there's also been some apps from nokia poland that um, i think make for some nice things there's been some new titles from game loft and more as well so go and check out that section and we'll try and leave time on the next podcast to do a little bit more app chat
0: yes so just one final point before i leave you is that uh, as people may know i run the the phone show And I've I've been recording this up to now on a Symbian device, the Nokia 808. Well, as people realize, the Lumia 1020 does a lot of what the 808 does. But one thing it didn't do was the fact that when you shot a video, that the audio-video sync wasn't great in terms of compatibility with desktop editors and uh, the frame rate wasn't constant. It was an absolute nightmare. However, just one final concluding positive point is that the GDR2 update also this might be Nokia's doing that because of Nokia Pro Camera more than Microsoft's, but it has. A, if you shoot the video with Nokia Pro Camera on the Lumia 1020 or the 920 or the 925 or the 928, bingo, constant frame rate, and I can now start shooting my own phone show on the Lumia 1020 and 920, or at least when the 1020 arrives here in full European and UK forms. That's good news, Ray.
1: It is, and for people who want to watch the phone show, where can they find it?
0: stevelitchfield.com all my fans they know where to find me any last words for me Ray?
1: <laughs> no, that i think is a good place to end the podcast we've had plenty of chat about new device and gdr2 always uh, love hearing your feedback you can reach us through the usual social channels or you can email me directly Ray, at all about of course you can contact steve as well if you want to complain about me
0: <laughs> in the meantime bye for now hopefully we'll have you in back next week